When you're very ambitious, you think you can take on so much. And uh, that's, that's the other extreme, you know, is that uh, you overestimate your capacity and you take on more than you can actually deal with. We are back on the For The Creatives podcast. And today we have a special guest, Allegis Tatarera, a.k.a. My Dad. Welcome. Thanks, Elisha. It's a pleasure being on your podcast. How do you feel about being the interviewee this time instead of the interviewer? Bit weird. <laughs> I'm normally on the other seat interviewing clients and people, but yeah, so I'm looking forward to it anyway. So not sure what to expect, but we'll go with the floor. Well, I would like to soon discuss a few things around decision fatigue, important skills for business and the importance of vision. But before we get into that... Can you tell everyone a bit about yourself? Just in short, how do you define yourself? Well, that's, that's a good question, Elisha. I'll summarize myself as a person that is passionate about living out and fulfilling my purpose in life. And of course, I'm a dad, I'm a father, I'm a friend, I'm an entrepreneur by choice. And I think for me, it's a calling. So the passion for enterprise has really been something that I've had since I was young. And understanding what I understand about enterprise is that enterprise has got the potential to change society and to meet the felt needs of people. Hence, it strengthens my conviction in relation to pursuing it. So for me, I've invested a lot of my life in enterprise as a mission, really. So primarily, it's a mission for me. So who I am is just another person that's looking to make a difference and living out life to the fullest in relation of impact. So, yeah. Wow, nice. So you mentioned entrepreneurship. There may be a few people listening who have heard the word before, maybe don't fully understand it, or they're not in that space. How would you define what entrepreneurship is? Well, going by the definition in the dictionary is someone who's prepared to take a risk on a venture or business. And that's, I think, the key word there is that the person must be prepared to take a risk. And that means that they've got belief enough to soar or to invest either their time, their resources. And um, so it's not just doing business, but it's really about risk-taking. That's really, for me, stands out when it comes to entrepreneurship. And if I can just add this, is that any worthwhile vision around business will take a level of risk. And in many cases, most people would be venturing into territories or areas that they really haven't been before. So they're going to be prepared to make some mistakes and grow through it. Yeah, awesome. Well, we're going to come back to entrepreneurship very soon. But this is the For the Creatives podcast. So I have been talking quite a bit about creativity and what creativity means to different people. Now, there's a guy named Edward De Bono. Not sure if you've heard of him. I may have also messed up his name, pronunciation of his name. But he's a physician, philosopher, author. He was the inventor of the six thinking hats, which is a way of teaching and it's used in a lot of different institutions. And uh, he has a quote here, which I love and I've had written down for quite a while. He says, there is no doubt that creativity is the most important human resource of all. Without creativity, there would be no progress. 
and we would be forever repeating the same patterns. So for yourself, how do you define creativity? Well, creativity is based on what I've come to understand is something that is inborn for every thinking person, that there is a capacity to create. And I I take that from the basis that we are created beings by design and we are created by a creator. Hence, we have a capacity to create. It's whether we want to explore that or not explore that. So creativity is really the use of the imagination based on our felt needs within the society, the environment that we find ourselves in, that we dare to think and we dare to imagine. And and out of that, things are born. And as you just very carefully outlined, that quote is that uh, that is really foundational to, I guess, life. And uh, yeah, so creativity... In a nutshell, willingness to use the imagination and also be intentional about the use of the imagination towards vision. Yeah. And I think I've found, and I think you would say the same as well, that for entrepreneurship, it always has a creative element because you usually have to be innovating or thinking of new ways to do things at the essence of entrepreneurship a lot of the time. Yep. Yeah. No, no, so true because by essence, entrepreneurship is a matter of innovation because you're always having to think a step uh, ahead or outside the box. You're thinking of solutions, and so that requires creativity. It's really very foundational to what I do and what I see you do and what other creators do. And uh, they might not call themselves uh, creators, but uh, they are, because they are, you know, trailblazers in their own field. And that takes vision and it takes creativity. So, yeah. yeah. Vision, we're going to talk about that soon. We're going to dial back a few years now, you know, 60, 80, 90 years, to when you got started in business or entrepreneurship. When would that period be for you when you sort of remember getting started in the field of entrepreneurship or business? um, And why did you enter that field? I recall early in my life when I was 16, 17, I had the opportunity to take on hotel management and catering course at a hotel called Cresto Lodge in Harare, Zimbabwe, where I was born. And I, as I was in this space, I'd started the course, I was walking home and I always, I think one of the things I think I've been, which has been a blessing and a gift to me is the ability to think and to imagine and I guess assess And at that time, I was thinking, you know, is this what I need to be doing right now? As important as the opportunity was, I felt that that wasn't for me at the time. And But I still had the challenge of finding something else in replacement. And uh, so I had to convince my parents that uh, this wasn't for me, even though it's an opportunity that really I should have taken and other people would have got in trouble for. For no taking and I, I had to make a choice and I made the choice not to. Out of that I discovered that I, I could actually pursue a business and we started off with getting material from people to get our tailors to make clothing. So that's where my fashion started and as my tailor was actually making this garment I had this feeling that I could actually do it myself. So I went home, asked mom for a sewing machine and initially she refused it you know but she eventually gave in and I actually made a pair of pants 
wow. trousers that you could wear. And I actually made it for a friend who, you know, wanted that made from our tailor. And from there, I upskilled a bit and I started making clothing for people. But what it did for me, Elisha, which is very important to me, my passion at the time was a youth leadership. I was a youth leader at the time and I did not want to tie myself into a career path because I would not have had the time to spend with my leadership team and do work in the youth group. So it freed me up to be able to do that. And as I was working at home, doing producing garments, I could still have people over. We could still have discussions, we still have planning meetings. So it gave me a really good opportunity to work and do what I loved or what I felt called to do at the moment at that time. So that, that's my first step to actually doing kind of like an, it was still an informal business, but it was a business anyway. Yeah. 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 And when you made that decision not to continue down the path around hotel management, were your parent, parents supportive of that or how did that go? Actually, no one was supportive of that. They had, I think, my uncles, my auntie. My auntie had got me the opportunity in Crystal Lodge. And as I was saying, that was a, an amazing opportunity because at the end of the course, you had guaranteed work yeah. with a hotel and that was job security. And I had not read the books, Think and Grow Rich and others, you know, in terms of job security. I had the vision for financial freedom, financial independence, and I could not articulate it at the time. But I knew I had to make that choice. And even though I didn't have the support, I did it respectfully and I had to pursue what I felt in my heart to pursue. Yeah. Wow. Which is what I, I think many times people don't step out because they fear disappointing others or they fear being rejected. Yeah. And it's, it's a really big stumbling block I find is... is whether it's conscious or unconscious, it, it's always at work Yeah, in people's lives. Well, I'm definitely grateful that you've had those experiences and were able to, in the creative business and entrepreneurship side, sort of help inspire and challenge me in those areas. I remember one time in, I can't remember, a few years, quite a few years ago now, I think Tashia and I had an idea for cleaning bins, something around that. Yeah. And I can't remember everything, but I remember that you helped us put together a flyer and started like at least brainstorming or mapping out potential pricing structures or pricing models for how we could actually build it, put it together, and even potentially how we could get other kids in the neighborhood of schools to try to be involved with that. So things like that have definitely inspired what I'm doing today. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's also, you know, I do what I do too out of knowing that you can inspire other people by stepping out. And whilst I've been very strong in vision, you know, over the years I've had to now begin to build other areas, to become strong in other areas in terms of actioning things and how to action things. So identifying my weaknesses, you know, I know my strengths. Yeah. And I've really had to step back and be able to actually carefully look at myself, look at my experiences and now work on my weaknesses so that they don't become stumbling blocks for where I know I can be. Yeah. So, so that's the journey, you know, and uh, for others, it takes a short while. They discover some of those weaknesses and deal with them, resolve them earlier. For some of us, maybe not so long, but I guess it's also building a bigger foundation for where I'm going. So I have no regrets either way. Yeah. And over the years, you've spoken quite a bit about the spirit of excellence 
So what is the spirit of excellence to you? Well, what it means to me is when you do something, you do it with all your, with all your heart, you put in you know, the best you can. And it's not necessarily doing something perfectly, but it's doing it the best you can with the resources you have, with the time you have. And uh, it's, it's, it's not becoming a perfectionist because I think for me, I get caught up not releasing things because I want them to be a certain way. And you find that that can take years and you never get to release anything. And, and that's one of my weaknesses, you know, is, is that uh, I, I think I've had concepts which could have been already on the market, but I sat on them. Now because I know where I get that from. <laughs> I was never satisfied and I had a fear that it wouldn't be what it needs to be. And I just real, I'm just realizing more and more, you know, that I, I, I need to get over that. Yeah. And uh, yeah. Hindsight is our, is our biggest um, yeah. teacher. So around the, around the spirit of excellence, yeah, I think sometimes even myself, like when I was a lot younger, I've had these ideas of, you know, ways to get rich quick or ways to build a business that will generate a lot of money. And But with the mindset or the mentality that there was a quick, really rushed way to do things. And I've definitely learned that that's not the case most of the times. And even people who have got rich quick or who have had that success is usually very lucky or rare. And most overnight successes are usually the result of a lot of hard work and people being committed and intentional about the direction they're heading in. There's always usually a bit of luck in that as well, but Mm -hmm. tons of hard work. And I think the idea of the spirit of excellence of doing things to the best of your ability, not perfect, but the best of your ability and being intentional about it is really important to achieve that success. It actually means that we're creating standards and uh, in a way it's honoring those that we're serving. You know, when we put in to something our whole heart, I realize now it's about getting rid of the obstacles that stop me from producing the outcomes that I want to produce. And oftentimes those obstacles are other issues of life. I mean, this is an important point. We cannot divorce our entrepreneurship ideas with real life and with us, our emotions, our mental health. And uh, I'm just been able to see clearly how mental health and well-being has got an impact on our decision-making and on our capacity to deliver what we want to deliver. So we remain with good intentions, but we're not delivering the outcomes because we've got other things that we haven't really dealt with properly. And so this is an area for me I'm going to be speaking on a lot more in the next few weeks because it's from pain of my own life experiences. And I hope that it will help other people out there, you know, so. Yeah. Well, you touched on mental health, and I think one of the things that most people, thanks to COVID as well, have been experiencing is a lot of mental and emotional fatigue. And part of that, I think, can be linked to the amount of decisions we've, we have to make and the extra number of decisions we've had to make over COVID. I've been reading on what a few different doctors have been talking about, as long as my own experiences and people around me. But I have something here written by Dr. McLean. He's a psychiatrist. Oh. Psychiatrist. <clears throat> He's a psychiatrist. So decision fatigue is the idea that after making many decisions, your ability to make more and more decisions over the course of a day becomes worse. The more decisions you have to make, the more fatigue you develop and the more difficult it can become. So I just wanted to, I'll stop there, then I'll mention another quote by him, but ask you what you think about that and if you've experienced or do experience decision fatigue and that sort of overload of decisions around 
your business business decisions? I think I take the medal of overloading and and I've paid the price for it at so many levels, you know. So I you know, when you're very ambitious, you think you can take on so much. And that's that's the other extreme, you know, is that you overestimate your capacity and you take on more than you can actually deal with. And it actually gets into a domino factor in the negative. And if you don't stop it, it's just going to destroy you. And that is overcommitting. And so you're now having to deal with so many people, with so many things, and we're just not designed to do that. And then couple that with an inability to delegate. You're in big trouble because you micromanage and you take a lot of things. I'm describing myself, really. And this year has caused a lot of mental fatigue for me. And I had not realized how much mental fatigue I had, but I actually became, I actually developed anxiety over the years, especially uh, it's a period where we actually moved from Mapleton to Bundaberg. You know, so that was uh, yeah, 2014. Yeah, 2014. You know, I can look back and I can tell you exactly what was going wrong with so many things in my life. And uh, it leaves you very vulnerable and, and it's not a good place to be in. And people need to know how to identify. And it's when a phone rings, you become anxious. You know, just a certain ringtone, you know, sends you, sends anxiety to you. When you start getting signs like that, you need, you need to understand that you've got mental fatigue and there are issues you need to deal with. So, yeah. I mean, I can go deeper into that, but that probably says it. A few yeah. Things and and yeah. I think one of the most important things, which you obviously are, is being self-aware self-aware so that we can work out the right avenues and the right mechanisms to help us move forward. This doctor here says, which is pretty much touches on what you just said, is every day, just in our personal lives alone, we are making a ton of decisions. And a lot of these decisions we are not consciously making. For example, we open the refrigerator door and sometimes the only thing that's in there is bagels and that's a pretty easy decision. But other times our subconscious is working, making all these decisions for us in the background. And she then says, but if there's lots of different things in terms of what do I eat, what do I wear, what do I do with my day, that can create stress. By the time the average person goes to bed, they've made over 35,000 decisions on average. And all of those decisions take time and energy and can certainly deplete us. So on the flip side of this conversation is just chatting about how we can become a better decision maker. Because, you know, as this doctor's mentioned, as we both know, we make so many decisions every day in business and everyday life. But I think, and this is going to go into talking about vision as well soon, because too many people spend life on cruise control and they might have an idea of where they want to be, but the decisions they're taking right now aren't lining up with that. So I think most of us, you know, are where we are because of the decisions we didn't make or we did make over time. And if we're making decisions that aren't in line with where we want to be, we're constantly contradicting ourselves and losing confidence. And I think a lot of us have experienced that over time. So I just wanted to have a quick conversation about how do we choose what to say yes to, what to say no to, and what to take on? Well, I guess if we can frame our long-term goals and then our short-term goals well, we then can determine what's useful in our present moment and what's not. And I'm finding that's what I'm having to do is come back to what do I need to do this week? What do I need to do today? And then I have to close out every other thing 
And in fact, if I have to call people, let them know I'm not going to be dealing with this at this moment, because you have to deal with the most important thing at any given time. And it's a lesson that it's, it's something that is easy said, but not always easy done, because for some of us, we've developed bad habits and bad habits don't go away overnight because they shape how we think and we are acting out of that. And we have to consciously each day remind ourselves, okay, I need to leave this. This is not for me to deal with. Yeah. You know, so I, I, I think there's so many tools that we can use to, to help, I guess, act with clarity. Yeah. And for me, I'm writing in my, on my phone and my notes, my, my goals over and over again. I'm determining what I'm going to have to do, even if it's a matter of putting a paragraph towards something that I need to fulfill. If that's the one thing I need to do that morning, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm trying to make sure that I do that. Less, I think it's simplifying our lives really. And it's like you're saying, you know, like 35,000 processes that that's actually happens in the subconscious mind. And that's on average. And I'm pretty yeah. sure that's the average of a person's, person's personal life as well. Yeah. And what, what, what we got to remember is that the conscious mind cannot process not even a thousand things in a day. You know, we'll have to look at that. But 35,000 average processes that are happening in the subconscious level the conscious mind is where we are actually conscious of what we're thinking about what we're deciding on and i can guarantee you in a day i could not have that much to deal with in my conscious mind yeah you know so yeah so if we want the decisions we make to be in line with where we're going we need to know where we're going we need to have clarity around our goals and our vision that's something I'm learning as well. On visual clarity, for 2020, for me, you know, the whole decade for 2020, which if I can just touch on this, I put something for myself, which was just before the year 2020. For me, God spoke, began to speak to me about vision acuity, as in clarity of my vision. And 2020 vision was about visual acuity, you know, so being able to see clearly or normally from... 20 feet. So on the Snelling chart, when you go to an optometrist, you could read the letters and you then get 20-20 vision from 20 feet. And uh, so I took that same parallel to visual vision acuity, is how clear is my vision. And what's interesting is that according to the Merriam-Webster dictionary, 2020 is an adjective that means marked by facility accurate discernment, judgment, and assessment. So that decade, decade of 20, so from 2020 to 2029, for me, I've made a commitment that I'm going to continue to sharpen my vision so I can see clearly. Because what we can't see, we can't attain. And the clearer we can see something, the quicker we can attain it. Yeah. The quicker we can see the 20 steps that I need to take to get to where I'm getting. And we know better what steps not to take if we want exactly. to get there. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that's very, very important for me, and it's it's where a lot of my personal development is, and it starts from being able to have a clear understanding of my own tendencies, my own trauma, my own personal issues. It's not just about seeing the future, but it's also seeing who I am, because who I am determines where I can go and how far I can go. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. It's so important to have a vision for where we're going and you know we can have a vision though and we can be trying to make the right decisions but it doesn't always go to go to plan 
So how do you avoid repeating when you've had some sort of setback or had some sort of failure in business, like a bankruptcy or something along those lines, how do you avoid repeating those same mistakes when something doesn't work out? I think uh, what we sometimes don't have is the ability to be, have people we can be vulnerable with who can then hold us accountable. And when we don't have that, it's easy to stay within a certain uh, you know, cruise yeah. control because we don't have that outside challenges that are... Uh, hard, you know, people can speak the hard truths in our lives. So by not disclosing some of our challenges and being vulnerable, we risk not having people share what we need to hear. And so we remain isolated. And I think isolation, emotionally, isolation mentally, is one of the biggest challenges that people have, especially men, I must say. You know, I mean, I think you younger ones are doing it a lot better because you're more open to mental health issues but for my generation that's something that we have to be more deliberate about and and when you discussions about being aware about and taking and 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 opening up to other people without feeling like they're going to see you as inferior or weak now or uh, you know and and judge you but they're going to still see you as that visionary as that passionate person as that achiever yeah. We all got we all got stuff and but it's being able to have the safe space to be able to share those things so that the people that you share with can also become whether you call it a mastermind team that yeah. can speak into your life the things that you need to hear. And that's a big part in helping us not repeat yeah mistakes yeah. of the past. And I think I've not had that trust for a lot of people in my circles over years and so I've not been as transparent in terms of me yeah you know and and so i've tried to do this on my own and it's difficult yeah because you'll repeat stuff because you got blind spots and yeah so i've got some people now that i i'm able to disclose things with who sometimes say well that's not your space to work in yeah get out that space let us do that you're strong in that area you stay in your lane yeah, so it's, it's funny you said that. The next question I have is around our superpowers. We've talked about like a few weaknesses or growth areas that you, you just touched on, but what would you say is your superpower, the one thing that you know that you're really good at, and then how does it translate into the work you do? Yep. I think what I've guess found is so important for me is I've protected what I want to become and what I need to become. So it's a strength of conviction. For me, no matter what happens, I've had the capacity to have a faith and a belief that I'll fulfill and I'll achieve my destiny, no matter what delays, no matter what setbacks. And uh, it's been tested, you know, and it's been tested due to my own shortcomings. And typically, people would have been in my position, most people would have given up, I think, anyway, you know. So, and But that's never been even a thought. It's just methods need to change, but the destiny doesn't change yeah my strength is just really a core belief a strength in my conviction i hold on to that yeah that's great and for anyone out there that's wanting to pursue some business idea or creative endeavor and they or they already are what would you say is a skill that you believe is really important in the business entrepreneurship world well i'll go back to why i protect this because i believe that the foundation of success has to come through a strong belief and so a conviction. And uh, one of the 
quotes that I heard from L.R. Bernard when I was young, I was a teenager, and he said, you know, he spoke about the difference between conviction and preference. Is people, most people live by preference. You know, oh yeah, it's a good idea, let me do this. They yeah. prefer to do that, they prefer to do that instead of by conviction. So he said most people, people of preference can be compromised out of their preferences. Yeah. But you cannot compromise a personal conviction out of their conviction. Yeah. And then he also said another important thing is that people of preference become weaker in adversity or through adversity. Whereas people of conviction become stronger through adversity. Mm. And so when we're convinced of something, we're prepared to leave our lives and die for what we're convinced of. And then I'll go to another quote from Martin Luther King Jr. He said, when you're above 30, you know, he used that age because he was at that age when he gave that quote. And he says, if you, you do not have anything that you're prepared to leave for and die for, your life is not worth living. Wow. He speaks into the need for people to live by conviction. And it's really living by purpose. And it's yeah. where we become who we're called to be when we've identified something we're prepared to sow our lives to live for and to die for. And yeah. even the Bible says that anything not of faith is sin. That is powerful. And we begin to think of that is that if we live in by preference, we give up, we, we waste resources. You see, that experience we had that we just walk away from because things get tougher yeah. doesn't shape us anymore and it doesn't become useful yeah. to propel us into the next level. Yeah. And why is it important? It's important because we're all part of the bigger picture of contributing to the needs of humanity and when we don't leave out our purposes someone else is missing out yeah so, yeah wow that's really good so yeah i think so even in business it has to translate because things are never easy so you need to have a strong mind you need to have a strong belief in what you're doing otherwise and why you're doing it and yeah. why you're doing it otherwise you're just going to walk away and i see people walking away from things not because it's time to walk away just simply because it got harder. And I don't think that should be a reason why we walk away. You know, And some things we have to walk away from, I'm not saying we don't, but your destiny, you don't walk away from it. Yeah. So you, you can remember back to when you first sort of had that sort of push or pull to you know, a more entrepreneurial endeavor, like business endeavor. Is there anything that you remember around that time around your family or your parents that inspired anyone external that inspired you? Look, I've always taken inspiration from mum and dad. Mum was very enterprising. She was a teacher from the age of 17 or in her teenagers. I think she actually forged her, um, lied about her birth date so she could get into teaching early. And she did. And she taught until she retired. And that was for many years. But while she was teaching, she also had various businesses. She would have women come and make jackets, jumpers. She's always doing something, you know. And dad was an economist, that's your granddad, and a politician. And he was in business as well. But I found that business had the capacity or enterprise had the capacity to empower others. Yeah. You see, I've always said that there is not enough jobs for everyone, but there is enough entrepreneurs to create jobs enough for everyone. Yeah. But only if people do that. So it's actually a real solution. And enterprise does change the world. Innovation is what shapes societies. Yeah. And so I was conscious of that at an early age. 
And but I also had the privilege and the benefit of living in an environment where my parents, my uncles, they were not idle people. Yeah, they did things and they were taking risk and they were doing business. So I think that that really helps a lot. Yeah. No, that's really good that you had that. And do you think, because you moved from Africa to Australia at a young age, early 20s, do you think that your business, the business side of things that you've done would have looked drastically different? Or do you think you'd be along the same path if you hadn't have moved, if you had stayed in, in Africa? I think there's a danger of like, getting into comfort. Because in Africa at the time and with the circle of people in, there was always going to be opportunity for me. And it's actually harder here because you're isolated. Well, I was isolated. Yeah. I was 19. You don't have the networks. You have to build from scratch. Yeah. At home, I would have had the networks and the support and maybe dad's influence in different areas and getting into opportunities. Yeah. So it, it really, look, my cousins and other people, you know, they're in business and some of them are doing very well for themselves, you know. So there's opportunity there if you have means and you have access. Yeah. Here, it's a different playing field, you know, when you come in on your own and you have to start rebuilding building something. Yeah. So, but it's, you know, and uh, yeah, so I'd say that uh, it would have been a little bit different, but I think I would have been comfortable. Yeah. And I think comfort is one of, comfort is good, but comfort can kill dreams. Yeah. Because when we get comfortable, we don't want to take risks. We don't want to step outside that comfort. Yeah. And, and it destroys vision. That's just what I've seen. And I am a firm believer that we need to watch out. I think it was you <clears throat> who sent me a video and... I can't remember the whole video, but I remember the essence of it or what I got out of it anyway. And it was talking about we need to be able to live in chaos. Now, just to talk further on that, I think, you know, we need to be able to, where we live shouldn't be chaotic. We should be have, you know, be, be safe and have that comfort zone still. But we need to be able to have the ability to work and to thrive in chaotic or in uncomfortable environments to push forward and to, to build things. And I just thought that was really interesting. Yeah, look, a lot of people that really strong motivational speakers really touch on the issue that people got to be able to embrace pain, mm. you know, and because without it, our human nature, we're not challenged to do anything. We're not challenged to grow. Yeah. And uh, pain can be a really good teacher in many cases. It, it is. And in fact, discomfort is the very thing that forces us to think. It says necessity is the mother of invention. And unless, you know, things, you know, when we're comfortable, we don't grow. Yeah. And you'll hear that over and over and over again, you know. And uh, But, well, how does it translate into my day-to-day -day life? Society at large teaches us to pursue comfort. Yeah. You know, and so you've got a lot of comfortable people. Especially in, like, Western culture. Yeah. But they're not making an impact in the world. They're not changing the world. They're serving themselves, they're enjoying their life, but is that all we're called for? Yeah. Especially in a world that presents so much need. Yeah. How can I be comfortable in a world like that? And I think for me, because of my vision for being able to see debt reduction in countries that are beholding to world banks like my own country, 
I have a vision for a billion trillion dollar business. I, I can't help not having it because yeah. I can't exist in a world where people are being controlled by money and by bankers in that capacity. Yeah. Where I could possibly do something about it or contribute to change. Yeah. So I won't rest and I guess sometimes my motivation becomes bigger than my present circumstances and I've had to also understand the balance of building that base for the my own family and yeah. and still be able to push along my vision and my purpose, you know. So Yeah. No, that's good. I just wanted to sort of break briefly ask you to explain what you actually do. I know, but there's a lot of people listening here who don't. And we've touched on quite a bit, but we haven't actually touched on some of the main activities that you do or in business, in entrepreneurship. Could you, in short, explain that? Yeah. I feel like you could you could explain it like in detail, but I feel like no, we need I, a whole other episode. Actually, I've been making it a point to be able to articulate that in a very brief and sensible way. So over the time, what I discovered was that the sort of target market that I had needed to have a holistic answer to what they do. Because the frustration that I faced, if I can just give this as an intro and then yeah, I'll yeah. share what I do, is that I began in Australia in insurance. That was my career, risk management. And then what I discovered there was I discovered that behind a lot of homes, there was a lot of brokenness and a lot of challenges. And at the time, it was one in every two marriages were breaking up. And the sort of uh, issues that led to that was a lot of pressures and a lot of them were business, financial pressures. And you have to get that data when you're taking risk on insuring people. So I had the benefit of going into homes, I worked in that field for four years. I then pursued finance and financial planning to understand money better, to understand business better. Also knowing that I wanted to build big businesses, I wanted to have a bit of a foundation in the financial side. So what I discovered, a lot of those businesses, the smaller businesses just could not afford to have consultants. So they're ill-advised. 67% of more small self-employed business people in Australia retired broke. They don't have superannuation because they thought their business was superannuation. They don't have clear exit strategies on their business that they're building and there's no goodwill because they're unstructured properly. And so from there, I realized that if, we, if I have to help this target market because that's the majority of people that are contributing to the gross domestic revenue in Australia, over 50% comes from small business, medium-sized businesses, not big companies. Yeah. And yet they're the most under-catered for. As you know, just a small business to be able to afford an agency, $2,000 a month or $4,000 a month, just in one area of their business, they can't and yeah. they don't get the return on investment on that money because their turnover is not that much to get a return on investment. Yeah. So I had to work a holistic strategy and create a turnkey solution. And so what I do is I committed to building business solutions for small, medium-sized businesses. And so at this stage, how I can describe that is that uh, I've got a platform that I want to establish in most major cities and towns around the world that will have different aspects of what the small businesses in that community need. But yes, it will have a universal platform that connects all of them, which is our virtual marketplace. Yeah. Yeah. So the virtual marketplace is one aspect of it. It connects our retailers, our businesses globally. Virtual shopping mall. Virtual shopping mall. Or small to medium size. Or small to medium yeah. size. But behind that, there will be 
subsidiary businesses, which could be a retail outlet that will help individual businesses to have the inventory in that retail outlet. Yeah, like Amazon for small businesses. Yes. And the trades would also have a center. So each town or city may have different field needs. And another town may have people that are specializing crafts. And that's the majority of business that's done through that town. So we will set up a hub that will cater for them. We're just simply have creating a system that work on economies of scale. It will take a number of businesses, develop an aspect of something that will add value to them, and they contribute a small subscription towards it. Yeah. So, so really, the entrepreneurial side for me is business solutions, implementing them as needed within each different community. Yeah, that's awesome. That's something that's very much needed. And, uh, you know, I think you and I are both seeing that there's a bit more movement in the government space and the council space towards supporting small businesses, but there's still such a large gap and still such a lack of support. So I think, you know, we need entrepreneurs, we need, we need business owners Answers. to be partnering, council to be partnering together to, you know. And so what we find is for a lot of small businesses, we've got to take the hard work out for them because they just inundated within their own business and they're not creating solutions that are worthwhile that transform what they're doing. It's very, very difficult as a small or micro business. Yeah, yeah. No, that's cool. Thank you for sharing. So I have one last question before we wrap up. What is something that you're looking forward to? Look, that's a good question, especially after the answer I gave, because one of the things that I, I was making the mistake of selling an online platform, whereas I'm actually selling a holistic business solution. And yeah. so what I'm actually changing, which is on my notes, and this is the clarity I was talking about, is how I communicate what it is that I have to offer. Yeah. And how we place it in the market. It's so much, I find that it's becoming more acceptable. If we, let's say, take a place like Florida, I'm talking to some people in Florida, in yeah. Miami, in the US. We are looking at being able to set up a business center, and that business center will be OHAB, which is really, whether you call it online mall or smart business solutions. Yeah. It will identify the various opportunities that that area or region requires. Yeah. And we're just simply looking for partners. We're looking for ambassadors who will be on the ground, who can be part of that project and establish it in there. So the rollout of it becomes easier when you can know the simple steps that you need to take to build that platform in any community. Yeah. And so I am just really looking forward to implementing this because I know it's got the capacity to improve on what a lot of people are doing and provide a solution that clearly is not on the market at the moment. Yeah. And I've seen that. I saw that. I've had, I believe in that. But it's just the method by which to get there. I just have not been able to be able to get it to the market commercially and viably in the past. Yeah. You know, and it's been a source of frustration. But out of that frustration, I think we've got some answers develops new strategies and yeah. yeah and i look forward to implementing that because i want people that have invested in me people that need this to benefit from it and it's my sincere desire to see that happening and i look forward to it yeah that's awesome so. 
Well, our time is coming to an end, but before we leave, I am going to read out a few dad jokes. So, let's see this one. (laughs) What has more letters than the alphabet? The post office. Oh, dear. (laughs) That's a dead joke for sure. (laughs) I got carded at a liquor store and my blockbuster card accidentally fell out. The cashier said, never mind. Oh, dear. (laughs) dear. How do you get a squirrel to like you? Acts like a nut. (laughs) No, that's that's beyond a dead joke. I think that one is pretty good. Why don't (laughs) eggs tell jokes? Because they would crack each other up. (laughs) All right. Well, that's smart. And one last one. Probably they're still dead jokes because I'm laughing. I won't know the difference anymore because I'm a dad. How do you make a tissue dance? You put a little boogie in it. (laughs) All right. That's a dead joke. (laughs) And that is the end of this episode. So thank you for coming on. It's been a pleasure. I've looked forward to this. I'm sure there will be more in the future. Yeah, next time I'll be interviewing you. Maybe. We'll see. (laughs) All right. It's been a pleasure. Thanks, Elijah. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening to this episode. If there's one thing that you can take away from this, remember that a strong vision helps guide our decisions. Now, we've been talking a lot about what creativity means to us. So if you send in a voice recording of what creativity means to you, I will feature it in the beginning of one of our upcoming episodes. So if you create a voice recording, letting us know what creativity means to you and send it through on the For The Creatives podcast Instagram, it may appear in one of the next episodes. Anyway, thanks for listening today, guys. We'll see you on the next one.